Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach, talking New York Mets with MLB.com's Mets beat reporter, Anthony Nicomo. We're talking on Wednesday. Uh, it is early December, which means that soon we are all going to descend upon uh, a very large hotel complex outside of Nashville uh, for baseball's annual winter meetings, uh, and uh, it's it's a it's it's a scene. It's uh, something that once you see once you'll never forget. Um, but it's it's interesting to me how quiet things have been around the Mets because they have some clear needs. Uh, they have guys that you would think they'd at least be getting calls on, and yet. Uh, at least here outside New York, they, I'm not getting them as one of the heavily rumored teams, so I just kind of want to start, start just broadly. Where are they at in, in this process of addressing, uh, in particular, a couple, of, a couple of lineup needs? Yeah, I, I think there's a, a pretty clear reason for what you just described, and that would be they have one guy in mind that they like and they want on their team more than anyone else, and that's Ben Zobrist. Uh, they have been linked pretty heavily to him. They are pursuing him. They were doing all of their due diligence, and in a perfect world, they would land Ben Zobris. He can replace Daniel Murphy at second base. He can fill in for David Wright at third base. He can fill in in the corner outfield spots. He, he basically gives them everything that they want and that they need. Now, all that being said, they're not the only team that likes Ben Zobris, and despite the fact that they may very well the Mets be willing to overpay for him, there are a couple other teams that fit that description as well. So the Mets ultimately might not get him. Uh, now, the problem is everything else they can do this winter or they want to do this winter, whether it's upgrading the bullpen or whether it is uh, finding a platoon partner with Juan Lagares in center field or even someone who can take most of Lagares' at-bats in center field, uh, maybe finding a backup third baseman for David Wright and so on and so forth. All of that stuff is contingent upon what happens with Zobris. If they sign Ben Zobris, their payroll jumps up to about $110 million, uh, which is about $10 million more than it was for most of last summer, and will probably wind up limiting what they can do in other areas. Now, if they whiff on Zobris, somebody else gets him, somebody else goes above and beyond, now all of a sudden you're looking at maybe getting more creative in the things that they do, maybe opening up other possibilities. And they can't know that until Zobris signs. Now, it could happen soon. could happen any minute, any hour, any day. Uh, ben Zobrist is from Nashville, so uh, I think uh, there may very well be some in-person negotiations going on, 
next week with the Mets and other teams. But until that happens and until he makes a decision, uh, everything else is in a little bit of a holding pattern right now for the Mets. The last time we talked, I got the impression that you were pretty pessimistic on the likelihood of this coming to be. It was sort of clear, you noted, and, and, and all the all the very good, clear reasons why he's exactly the fit. The Mets were drawing up a player who, who checked all their boxes, and he's the guy. But it sounded like we were sort of talking about it like, yeah, he'd be great, but yeah, we know this isn't going to happen. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like your tone now is a little more like they're at least really in this. Um, has, has something changed, or have they increase their willingness maybe to go deeper payroll-wise than they expected, uh, or, or is it just that as long as they're in it, they're in it? I think it's more the latter. I, I think, um, you know, they've pursued this. They've pursued uh, other possibilities. They've looked at the blueprint of a lot of different things that they can do, and I can compare it maybe to last offseason when they went and they signed Michael Kadaya really early in the offseason, and they made it pretty clear at the outset that if Michael Kadire had received a qualifying offer from the Rockies, which he, which he ultimately did, uh, they weren't going to pursue him. They didn't want to give up a draft pick. And then he got that qualifying offer. They kind of took a second look at the market, at who else was out there, and they said, you know what, this is kind of the guy that we want. This is the guy that makes the most sense for us, and maybe this is the guy that we're just going to take a stand on and, and uh, overpay for it in a sense. And they wound up doing that, and it didn't wind up working, obviously, because Iyer had a bad season. Uh, but they identified their clear need. They identified that he was the guy they wanted, and they kind of did a double-take and changed their stance a little. Now, I'm not saying it's exactly the same with Zobris, but I do think he's that guy who's in the center of their crosshairs right now. And they've kind of realized that getting him uh, just makes everything else this offseason so much easier. Uh, I, I still am a little pessimistic that they will sign him. I just think uh, they're not going to be able to be willing to go to the levels of, of payroll and maybe even years that other teams are in order to get this guy. He's very coveted because of how versatile he is. Um, so I, I, it's not like I'm sitting here, standing here today, a few days before the winter meeting, saying I think the Mets are going to get him. I think there's a better than even chance that they don't. But they certainly are in on him. Uh, if it's not hot and heavy, it's probably uh, start, starting, starting to trend toward that, uh, toward that level. Um, uh, they want him bad. He fits everything they want to do. And uh, I don't think they're going to let him go easily, put it that way. Whatever the number is that they're willing to go to with him, and, and I certainly don't know, and I, I'm sure they're not exactly advertising it, but whatever that number is, do you think that it's they're willing to go farther for him because of what a fit he is. In other words, say that instead of doing that, they and, and let's just say hypothetically the number is 15 in, in, in 2016. It just, it, that's not the point, but the hypothetically. Um, do you think that if they had to take other, other ways, multiple pieces to address those needs, they maybe don't go as far, that this is a guy that they are willing to budge a little further to bend that number a little farther than they would for other solutions? Yeah, I think that that's, that's probably pretty accurate to say. And the reason why I said that in large part is because I think the Mets do like the idea of going into the season below budget and being able to add payroll uh, if need be, if they're in contention in July and so on and so forth. Um, but history also tells us a lot of things. And I mentioned Kadire because that was a guy they decided they were willing to go above and beyond for and got him. Uh, two years ago, 
there was a big uh, sort of sticking point with Curtis Granderson a couple of weeks before the winter meetings, and reports were everywhere that he wanted four years and the Mets were not willing to go beyond three, which is kind of some of the same whispers you're hearing this year with Ben Zobris. Now, obviously, the Mets ultimately caved for Granderson and went that fourth year that they were adamantly against doing. So it, it wouldn't surprise me, uh, you know, despite reports out there that, uh, the Mets won't go four years for Zobris and so on and so forth. It wouldn't surprise me if they wind up doing it, um, just for all the reasons we already talked about, that he is the one guy that you can point to that just makes so many of their problems go away. And uh, and if they can do that in one fell swoop, they're going to do it, even if they have to go a little outside of their comfort zone to uh, to accomplish that goal. To uh, change change gears a little bit, the the starting pitching market, uh, has has taken another one of those leaps. Uh, a few years back, we used to talk about the Chris Benson deal as kind of the deal that set the new normal for what mid-rotation starters got. And then every few years, this happens, and it's happened again. Uh, and now it seems that mid-rotation starters get yet another level. Uh, there's some report that Jeff Samarja has a hundred million dollar offer on the table. Does that affect? Does that does that oddly, in a way, increase? the interest the Mets might have in parting with one of their starters. I mean, the, 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 the argument, the sort of obvious argument is if you've got these guys cost-controlled, then you just cling to that for dear life until you have to start paying 20 or 25 or 30 for elite starters. But is there also a case that maybe if a good starter is so valuable that maybe they do look into, if not one of those four guys who started for them in the postseason, look into what somebody might give them for Zach Wheeler if not now, maybe the end of spring training when he shows he's healthy. Just does this this next step, this latest boom in the, the financial cost of starting pitching, uh, do anything to how they view their starters as trade assets? I'm not sure, and the reason why I say that is because, uh, you know, while starting pitchers have obviously proven now, whether it's Kershaw or David Price or, or Zach Grinke about to be and so many others, well, they've proven that dollars and cents, uh, they are worth a lot of money right now. Uh, I think on the trade market, if you dangle a top-flight pitcher, a Matt Harvey, for example, it's still difficult to get what you would consider a comparable asset as an everyday player for the simple fact that they are an everyday player. And, and well, maybe the market uh, for those guys hasn't really caught up to the market for starting pitchers. I think that's probably because we haven't seen too, too many elite everyday players be on the open market lately, whereas starting pitchers we have. Um, what I do think all of this hoopla over starting pitching does for the Mets is it's going to make them look long and hard about locking up some of these guys if they can to uh, maybe not team-friendly deals because uh, when you have a rotation full of guys who are already all-stars or on their way, um, you know, they're not going to negotiate away big bucks right now. But still better deals than you could get, you know, if you let these guys get to free agency. Um, obviously, Matt Harvey's not really a candidate for that because of who his agent is, um, because of Scott Boris's unwillingness to do that with pretty much everyone. Uh, but I think the Mets are going to look long and hard, if not this offseason, the next offseason, at extending Jacob Degrom's contract, at extending Noah Syndergaard's contract, maybe not Stephen Matz because of the injury concerns surrounding him, but certainly those two guys, Degrom and Syndergaard, I think are prime candidates for it. And if you're a Mets team that is looking at your payroll and obviously is trying to limit this, uh, you know, in a way that a New York team hasn't really done that much, uh, this team is content to have a middle-of-the-pack payroll, it seems like. If you're going to do that and you're going to operate the team that way, you probably have to look at 
maybe making some concessions and signing the guy, these guys to long-term deals because if they reach free agency, you're going to have a hard time keeping this entire rotation or at least even a big chunk of this rotation intact if you're paying $30 million a year for each one of these guys. All right, and we'll, we'll close now. And, and I've been asking everybody for a prediction of what they think their team will do over the, the, the three-and-a-half days in Nashville. But you, yours may be a little exception, again, because so much is riding on this one guy, and we talked a lot about Zobrist. But barring that, do you anticipate any particular other things going on uh, this week, uh, bullpen, center field, any of that kind of thing, or is it really just a question of everything's waiting on seeing how that turns out? Yeah, I think a lot of it is going to revolve around Zobrist, and maybe he signs early in the winter meetings and they get a lot done on those other fronts. Um, but I do think there will obviously be a lot of touching base in terms of the bullpen, which uh, you know they really need a left-handed reliever. Uh, they might even go ahead and, and poke around the markets for some of the top right-handed guys. And uh, you know those are things, the outfield, center fielder, that will probably come later in the offseason. Bullpen, you know, I think they could maybe wait until January, and we'll wait until January to address that. Uh, but so much of those conversations begin or continue at the winter meetings, and they're going to do a lot of that. And, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if Ben Zobris does not sign before the end of the winter meetings or at least very shortly after the winter meetings. So I think we're going to get a lot of clarity over the next two weeks about what the Mets are, what direction the Mets are taking this offseason. All right. Well, Anthony Nicomo, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks, everybody, for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.